Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. We're one big family, right? Okay, two of you. The, the two people related to each other said amen. All right, we're going to try this again. We're one big family, right? Okay, that's better. That's better. That's better. Uh, we, we rally to one another. Amen. It is so good to see you. Uh, as you know, June is a special month. It's when everybody and their dog travels. And uh, that's all right. I've told you I won't wear, on, wear you out for traveling because I like to travel a little bit myself. But we're glad that you've chosen to be with us. Uh, This is a special month for us because of what we do in the month of June. Uh, I am convinced that you need voices in your life, that uh, if you only have one person speaking into your life, the the Word says that there is wisdom in a multitude of counselors, uh, because not everybody knows everything. I saw husbands nudge wives and wives... (laughs) <laughs> not everybody knows everything, and if, if you only have one voice speaking into your life all the time, how many of you know it becomes very easy to ignore or take that voice for granted and not even realize that that voice is the voice of God speaking to you? And so every month, in, uh, every June, uh, of, I guess the last eight or nine years, we've been doing this series called Voices. I laugh every year because uh, what I recognize is that the, the people that I bring in, the men and women that I bring in to speak, Often only they say what I've been saying. Did y'all catch that last week? He said several things I've been saying. But because it comes from a different sound, it sticks. So that's why we do this, is to give you a chance to have multiple voices, godly voices speaking into your life. This is one of my favorite months of the year. Now, I love to preach, so it's not because I don't have to preach, because I don't have to preach. I get to preach. And so I I enjoy preaching, but it's one of my favorite months of the year because of this. You get some of the best preaching. Be careful, Ashley, where's she at? She said amen last week. She's been grounded all week. It's some of the best. (laughs) She hadn't been able to come out of the house all week long. I grounded her, uh, and I don't even live there, and I still grounded her. Uh, So, But it is some of the best preaching you get all year, and I don't, uh, that's my role is to try to make sure that happens. We are uh, blessed today. we have a guest speaker with us that's going to bless you. I, I haven't known him very long, but in the short amount of time that we've gotten to spend together, I recognize that he has a gift. He is an encourager. You are going to walk out of here feeling better than you walked in. And so I'm very excited. Anybody want to feel better than when you walked in? Amen. Uh, if not, I could preach and I could beat you up and then send you out limping because y'all know I can do that, right? But we're not going to do that today. We're going to let you walk out feeling better than you walked in. Our guest speaker hails from Tulsa, Oklahoma. He is uh, he, he served uh, a couple different roles at the uh, at ORU. He originally be careful now. He uh, that's where Tari went, so uh, uh, they let him out of there. That's the way that went. Uh, he uh, he served as the men, the men's chaplain. We would call it a campus pastor for the men. But then uh, when they had their presidential change, he began to work for the president. So he's special assistant to the president. But I think uh, even, and again, in the short time we've known one another, the thing I pick up from him is that his real heart is in Asia. He, uh, he spends a good amount of time in Asia working with underground churches because they can't worship like we worship. 
And so he is equipping pastors and leaders and church folk in Asia. And so he has a heart of a missionary. But I want you to do me a favor this morning uh, and give a huge passion welcome to our uh, minister today. His name is Eric Peterson. You're going to love him. Would you give him a huge welcome as he comes to bring the word this morning? Good morning, Passion. How are we doing this morning? We good? That was a little weak. Uh, how are we doing this morning? We good? All right, that's a little bit better. All right, this morning, I'm excited. Let me, let me just start with this. Man, I, again, I just met Pastor Steve personally, face-to-face yesterday, and in that short time, you have one of the most passionate leaders, one of the most greatest equippers I have met in quite a while. I, I was telling him yesterday, and he's obviously, he's, he's pastoring. God's doing some amazing things through him. But I said, man, there's like this apostolic call that's on your life to equip the next generation. That's why there's so many leaders in this church that are so, so comfortable in being in this place. And so I'm excited to, to get to engage and in the future to see what God will do with our relationship. And I hope I can get him over to Asia sometime and help us to train some of these underground church leaders in China, because God's doing some amazing things over there right now. So hopefully I can pull him over there with me for at least a, a couple of weeks and see what God will want to do. <laughs> Done. I will, buy a, I will buy a massive box for you, and you will enjoy them. Just tell me your favorite kind, and I got you covered. I've got you covered. I've got you covered. But I'm telling you this morning, I just, I just, I sense as I was praying and getting ready for this morning, I feel like God has something this morning for us. As a matter of fact, even in our time of worship, I just want to kind of divert from a second, so this isn't planned on the message, but I feel like there's some folks in this room that, 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 that God's wanting to restore your soul. The scripture tells us in Psalm 23 that he leads us by still waters, and he restores our soul. So I feel like there's people in this room this morning that this week has just beaten you up, and you are tired, and you are frustrated. Now, I'm not saying just the normal beat up. I'm saying it's like extracurricular beaten up you're just like god are you serious this morning all this and all this is coming at me at one at one time it shouldn't be like this and so this morning before i even jump into the message i just want us to pray if you're in this room you're saying god i just need you to restore my soul no need to raise your hands god knows who you are right now but let's pray and believe that god is going to restore your soul father this morning we believe that you are a god that restores We believe that you're a God that wakes us up and gives us a peace that surpasses all understanding. I pray this morning for those that are in this room that need their soul restored. I pray right now, God, that you would overwhelm us, Lord, that you would overtake us, that you would overshadow us, and you would fill us so much so with your presence. You would fill us so much so, God, that all those circumstances, all those struggles would go away. You said, turn our eyes upon Jesus, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim. So this morning, Lord, we fix our eyes on you. We focus on you, and we say, Lord, have your way. Do your work. And we thank you, Lord, that you will remove circumstances. You will remove struggles. You will bring healing. You will restore our souls to the fullness of what you called us to operate in. We thank you this morning that you indeed will do that in us. And if you're in this room and you're walking out of here today, we thank you that when you walk out, you'll be full of peace, full of joy, full of love in the Holy Spirit. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim and we'll be strong in who he is. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Amen. This morning, as I was kind of just in prepping and seeing what God wanted to do, you know, at Oral Roberts University, we've seen a, a lot of change happen uh, over the many years. We, 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 we kind of we, we hinge ourselves on we've seen what was happening in past revivals and see what God has done over the years. We look at the first great awakening. We understand what God was doing there. We see second great awakening. We see all these different movements. We see Azusa Street which a lot of the current churches we are in today fall out of. We see all these moves of God. We see signs. We see wonders. We see miracles. We see all this stuff happening. And then what we ultimately see is at the end of some of these different moves, we see the church kind of growing cold or growing into like this monotony, kind of growing into being programmed and have all these procedures and have all these policies. And therefore, it grows cold. It grows cold with the presence of God. And so what I want to talk about today is why not here? And why not now? We've seen all these past moves of God. We see God do some amazing things. But now we begin to see the church as it kind of becomes monotonized. Now, this is not Passion Church. Let me say this. So I see some things that are happening in this place, even in the passionate worship this morning. But these things can creep up on us. They can make us grow cold. And so this morning, I want to begin to talk about these things. I think as the body of Christ, we're in a pivotal place, especially within the church in the West. We're in a pivotal place in which we can either become routinized, and we can just kind of put God in a box and say, God, you can maneuver this way and maneuver this way. Don't move this way. This is outside of what I want you to do. But you can move here, here, and here. And we give God options, a multiple choice test as to what he can and cannot do in our lives. But this morning, I want to say, let's get God out of his box and allow him to do whatever he wants to do in this place. So again, I say to you, why not here? Why not now? Anytime we've seen God move, he... he he, he steps outside of the box of the confines that were placed on him. And so this morning, I want to say, let us begin to do that. Let's begin this process. I have no doubt that Pastor Steve is allowing this in the undercurrent of this church to take place. But let, in and of ourselves, let, let's make this happen in our own lives. Because as it happens, it'll grow and it'll go beyond these four walls. And we'll see the power of God move in tremendous ways. We are in a pivotal time. Ephesians 1. 15 through 17 through this. So I feel like this. And as you're turning there, I want you to hear this. That when we say, why not here? When we say, why not now? I feel like out of that, there's this call to go deeper into who God has called us to be. So it's not for us to figure out. So it's not for me to look at what happened in this great awakening. It's not for me to look at what happened in Azusa Street. Because I think sometimes in order to see, in order to move forward, we think we have, we have to completely look back and say, okay, well, he did this, he did this, he did this, he did this. Okay, so therefore, this next move of God is going to be this. And it is a compilation of what he did before. But in reality, what God wants to do new is going to be brand new. And it's not going to look like it has in the past. And so we, it's great to look and to, to understand historical value and have that. But in reality, what he's getting ready to do now is not going to ever look like it did in the past. It's going to be something brand new, fresh. It's going to be different. And so with that, when I say, why not here, why not now, God gave me a call. It's to go deeper in him. It is to fix our eyes on him, the author and the finisher of our faith. Then I lead into Ephesians 1, 15 through 17. For this reason... Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I kept asking God, asking that God, our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. 
So when the Spirit of God falls, when you see God move in all these different awakenings, when you see God move in Azusa Street, it's so that we may what? Know Him better. And God is calling us that we would know Him more deeply. And out of us knowing Him more deeply, we will see signs and wonders. See, those are just things that come on the back end of what God wants to do. Sometimes we make those the emphasis. we be like, oh, God, I want to see you heal this person. I want to see this, I want to see that. But the end result of knowing him better is that signs and wonders follow those that believe. Mark Lloyd-Jones says this, our supreme need is to know God. John 17, 3 says this, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. When we're walking out this process, when we're saying right here, right now, in this moment, matter of fact, I want to say this, during this time of prayer this morning, I don't know if you felt it, but the presence of God just fell in this place. And there was an openness to see what God would have to do. But notice what it was a result of. It was a result of us fixing our eyes on him, the author, and the finisher of our faith. And as we fixed our eyes on him, his presence just begins to descend on us. So it's within, what happens is oftentimes is once we fix our eyes on him, and we begin to move. Then we begin to look side to side, and God's like, no, 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 keep your eyes on me, because as we keep our eyes on him, his presence descends, then we see healing just begin to take place. We see people begin to get restored. We see salvations begin to take place, all all as a result of us fixing our eyes on him. And so, why not here? Why not now? This call to go deeper, it starts with a couple things. And I've noticed this, and I've noticed this with any kind of moves that we see of God, that these are, these are little points that God has brought to my attention to help me to understand and to see what he's been doing. Oftentimes what we have to do is we have to realize the greatness of God. What does that mean? I feel like sometimes we're in a church in which we are no longer in awe of what God can do because we can control God. At least we think we can control God. We put him in our boxes, we say, God, do this, we say, do that, and then, and, and then we expect him to do something in the confines of what we want. We have yet to sit back and rely in, in awe of who he is. Have you ever thought about it? Just walking through a, a maybe nature, you see the goodness of God, you see his creation. Are you in awe of his creation? Are you in awe of what he's done? Think about the human body. Have you been in awe of what God can do in your hearts? and in my hearts, in our lives? Have you been in awe that the fact that he can take a broken down sinner and transform them and make them whole and make them well? Have you ever thought about that someone that is broken and hurting, he can restore their soul completely and change them into who God has called them to be? Have you ever been concerned when you see the, the worst of the worst of the worst, God will touch them, i.e. Saul to Paul, where he sits there and touches someone and transforms them, where you have a murder of Christians to someone that is now one of the greatest Christian winners in history. Have you ever imagined and been in awe of what God's power is in our lives? I never will forget. I was in Hong Kong several years ago. We were at a drug rehabilitation center. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. This man had done drugs for many, many years to the point where he was crippled and could not walk and could not see out of his left eye. So we were in this place. We began to pray for him. And, and, and the Lord just kind of put it on our heart. A man I was traveling with at the time, his name was Dr. A.L. Gill. He's now 81. And the Lord put on this man on our heart, and we went to pray for him. And as we went and prayed for him, I never will forget it. We began to lay hands on his shoulder. And as we laid hands on his shoulder, I remember out of that left eye, a tear came streaming down his face. And he looked at me, and he said, with the, with the greatest statement of exclamation that I can even I can put to words, he's like, I can see. 
And he couldn't believe in and of himself what God had done in that moment. So being in awe of God and what he can do in our lives, God can do that very same thing right here, right now, any moment. God can invade Eric. He could shut Eric up right now and start moving in the hole and healing right here, right now. The question is, do we believe for him to do that in our lives right now? Or are we, are we content with coming to church, checking the box, leaving and going home, and going on about going to the store and getting our daily tasks done? Are we hungry or do we want God to move here, now, in this moment? Are we hungry for it? Are we passionate for it? Do we want to see God do amazing things amongst us? Then the first step is we must begin to realize and be in awe of who he is. Allow ourselves to sit back and to see how amazing God actually is. That we allow him to be who he's called us to be. That he can be who he is in our hearts and in our lives. By allowing that, we begin to see God move and do amazing things. A.W. Tozer says this, my favorite author. He says, left to ourselves, we tend to immediately reduce God to a set of manageable terms. We want to get him to where we can use him. Or at least know where he is when we need him. We want a God who we can somehow measure and control. Isaiah 40, 28 says this, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow weird, tired and weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. Isaiah 40 and 12 says, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or with the breath of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket, or weighed the mountains on the scales, and the hills in a balance. It is the Almighty. It is God. It is who He is. Can you imagine this? That the God of the universe holds the span of the universe in the palm of His hand. Is that not amazing to you? Is that not worth a God of being in awe of? Who simply, by in the palm of His hand, holds the entire universe. Now I want you to think about this just for a minute. That the entire power, all power was in Christ, Right? The entire, all of who God was, was in Christ. And then scripture tells us that, 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 that the fullness of who God is by the Spirit dwells on the inside of us. Now think about that for a minute. So the fullness of who God is, who holds the universe in the span of his hand, dwells on the inside of me? Think of the power that you have based on what the Holy Spirit has done for you and I. There is something that is untapped in us, that we have the fullness and the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of us, Nothing is impossible with him. And because nothing is impossible with him, there's nothing that, can, that, that won't happen through us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Man, God is good. If we just as a church got a hold of that alone, can you think of the great things that would happen as a result in understanding who he is? So number one, we realize the greatness of God. Number two, this is my favorite. I call it stop posing. You could throw that first picture up real quick if you got it. This is me, my sophomore year in high school. I look good, don't I? I grew into my lips a little bit, maybe. <laughs> Not quite sure. Let me throw the next one up if you want. This is my senior, senior pick. Oh, oh, stop. Yeah, that was a bad boy in 98. Anyway. <laughs> All right, you can take that down. You better take that down quick. <laughs> Stop posing. Have you ever been 
and you go and you take pictures, what do they always have you do? They get, they get, you, they get you all situated all nice, right? I don't know for y'all, they always just tell me, tilt your head just a little bit this way. There's always, so, you know, you look, feel awkward and weird. But that's what we do as a, as a society and a culture to one another. That's what we do all the time through Facebook, Instagram, any, anything you want to throw out there. We throw it all out there that we, 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 got, we got poses and pictures and we put ourselves, we position ourselves well and right and then we just kind of send it out for everybody to see. But in reality, there's so much more that's going on underneath and we just never share that part, right? We keep that hidden. We're good with that. They don't need to know that. They just need to know that this happened in my life and they need to be excited for me. Well, what happens in our own lives is we do that to people and we kind of, well, I'd never do that to God. I'd, I'd never, I'd never, 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 never pose where I'm always going to be open and honest. But what happens is we pose in front of our friends, but in reality what happens over time is it creeps into our lives and we begin to pose in front of God. So we, what we do is we, we, well, God, I'm good. I did good. I'm great. I'm, I'm doing great today. I'm not doing this. No one underneath, we're struggling. We're hurting. We're in pain. We're frustrated. But yet we don't want to share that with God because we don't want to think that maybe for a second there's something going on that's really not so great. In reality, he, he knows the thoughts before we even think them, right? But in reality, we think for some odd reason, in our, in our naivete or our stupidity maybe, that maybe by telling God everything's okay, he's like, oh, okay, Eric, everything's okay. I'll see you tomorrow, and everything's fine. But in reality, he knows what's going on in our lives. So the questions I want to ask us today is, are we posing? Are you posing? Are you Are you? So apt to, to, to position yourself in front of God that you want him just to see that everything's okay? And maybe it's not okay. And it's okay it's not okay. And when it's not okay, then God can come in and he can work and he can move and he can shift and he can do what he wants to do. Bob Goff says we keep offering God our successes. All God is asking for is our hearts. Psalm 139, 4. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you completely, you know it completely. So what would happen? Sometimes the thing that holds us up from really maneuvering with what God has for us and going deeper is the fact that we've got this facade up that we have created. A facade that looks really good, that, that makes us feel okay, but in reality, nothing changes. So anytime... God's grace is thrown at us. It's thrown at the facade and not really our hearts and what's really going on inside of us. And so what God wants to do is get us into a place that when we are fixing our eyes on him, we are seeing the greatness of who he is, then it almost lowers the walls automatically so that his grace, his mercy, his power, his touch goes to us and directly and penetrates our hearts and brings change. This, in essence, leads to this next point. And it is out of posing, God calls us not to mask our struggles. We do that real well. We do it real well. Matter of fact, we are, we, we are trained to do it. I think, honestly, I think social media oftentimes trains. I'm not, not, not opposed to social media, but we, we are, we, it strengthens our ability to pose as as strong Christians and all this and that, but really, no one really knowing what's really going on on the inside. And what happens is we try to mask our struggles. We try to mask our pain. We try to mask all that's taking place in our lives, and therefore we miss exactly what God is trying to do. 
recently I came across, I thought this was pretty amazing actually, there's a, a, a Japanese art form called Kitsuji. I don't know if you've heard of it, it was new for me, um, but I heard it and I thought it was pretty amazing as far as what happens during this whole concept of Kitsuji. The story of Kitsuji is said to have begun in the 15th century when a Japanese military commander broke one of his beloved Chinese tea bowls and disappointed with the shoddy repair job it was treated to, asked Japanese craftsmen to come up with a more pleasing method of repair. Thus, the art of Kasuji was born. Collectors soon became so enamored with the new art that they were accused of deliberately smashing valuable pottery so they could uh, repair it with gold seams. As you can see in the picture behind me, what that is is actually pure gold that's in the seams of the broken bowl. As an art, Kasuji was... Uh, will make a mended vessel look more aesthetic and become more valued than it was when it was fractured. As a philosophy, Kitsuji, Kitsuji treats breakage and repair as a part of an object, something as a part of its redemptive history. That's amazing. Or redemptive beauty. Rather than something to disguise, cover up, or replace altogether. The idea behind the technique of Kitsuji is to recognize the entire history of the object with all of its cracks and flaws, and to visibly incorporate the repaired fixtures into a new piece. It beautifies the breakage and treats it as an, import, as an important part of the object's history, thus valuing the fractures instead of disguising them or glossing over them. The process typically results in something far more beautiful and elegant than the original. How many of you in this room have scars, felt you've been broken, there's been struggles and situations. It's all this stuff. We all in this room have something that has broken us or hurt us. Something that has felt, made us feel devalued. But in reality, what God does is he weaves us with his gold. He weaves us with his grace. He weaves us with his love, with his mercy. And he makes us something far more beautiful than we were when we started. Far more beautiful than what if we were posing. Far more beautiful if we were trying to give everyone our best. In reality, God's grace makes us more valuable. And when he makes us more valuable, we begin to walk out what he's called us to do. And I think sometimes we look as a people to say, man, if I can get by without that, without doing that, without doing that, I'm good. But in reality, we can't get by without all these things. They're going to happen to us. Life is going to happen. Things are going to overwhelm us and they're going to overtake us. They're going to frustrate us. They're going to make us angry. They're going to make us want to retaliate. It's human nature. But when God's grace comes into a situation and when he begins to move and begin to put his grace into us, he begins to change us and to transform us and to make us who he has called us us to be so we are made much more beautiful and now it's not something that we hide and say oh i did that god have mercy i don't want i'm going to get away from that it becomes a part of our redemptive history to who god has called us to be and to be the beautiful person god has called us to live out to be and out of that we will see god move in our lives see that would help us see we want to say why not here why not now but we're scared to show what our past has given us Instead of allowing the grace of God to show through us. When I get in the pulpit, sometimes we always say this, well, man, God, I hope I deliver a message that's going to be powerful. God, I hope I did it. Da, 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 da. It's not about me. It's about God moving in this moment. I pray when I leave this pulpit, you don't, who spoke on Sunday? I don't even really care. God spoke to me. I pray even as we're speaking now, sometimes what God's going to do, he's going to say something you know, I didn't even say. I've had it many a times. People come up and say, Eric, I remember when you said this. Man, it was so powerful. I'm like, I didn't say that. That's the Holy Spirit. See, that goes beyond me and who I am in this pulpit. It goes beyond Pastor Stephen. He'll tell you the same thing. I know it, that it's all about God's presence and what he wants to do. The brokenness of our past is an integral part of our unique story and God's gloriously redemptive beauty in your life and in my life.
This is why Paul would later say, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Who wants Christ's power to rest on them? Amen. If we want Christ's power to begin to rest on us, we have to begin to engage and allow Christ to mend our weaknesses instead of posing and covering them up. God wants to move. God, when he does things, he moves in people that are broken and hurting, and he's trying to get himself into them so he can mend them and make them beautiful once again. Next point. Realize hardship is not a mean, uh, does not mean the absence of God. That's a hard one. What about y'all? But sometimes you're like, God, I don't think you hear. I don't think you hear me. But in reality, that does not mean God is absent. So we say, why not here? Why not now? Getting into the place that God has for us, sometimes hardship is a part of the process. We don't like that. I don't like that at all. But God uses us in that vein. Hebrews 12, 7 through 11 says, Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not, or children are not disciplined by their father. If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all the human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while to bring out the best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. The late Stuart Scott says this, and I think this is pretty amazing. Hope is not defined by the absence of hardship. Rather, hope is found in God's grace in the midst of hardship. Hope is found in his promise to give him, to give us a future. That was the late ESPN announcer who said that he was a believer when he passed away of cancer a few years ago. God wants to move in our hearts and in our lives. He wants to see the kingdom of God manifests. We sung about it today. We heard about it today. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. We passionately desire your kingdom to come. We passionately desire the kingdom to manifest itself, to see signs and wonders and miracles. We passionately desire to see what God has for us, the calling that he wants us to walk out. But we've got to walk these out. And they will not be void of this. They will not be void of recognizing who he is. They will not be void of, a, of us posing. They, we have to get ourselves into a position in which we realize what God is doing and allow him to transform and change us. We've got to be real with our flaws. We've got to understand it's okay. We've got to realize that hardship is a part, and we've got to walk that out, knowing that there's a peace no matter what we go through, God will supply. And last but not least, we have to learn to run our own race. Now, why do I say that? Now, Oral Roberts University, um, serving as the men's pastor, the men's chaplain, I see this all the time. We have chapels twice a week. We have chaplains on every floor. We have a spiritual dynamic that I must say is, is, is potent, it's powerful, it's got, it's just amazing. And I see students all the time rely on that culture. They rely on what they see really never engaging the race themselves. 
So they're on the sidelines watching people engage in worship. They're on the sidelines watching people engage in devotionals. They're on the sidelines watching all the different prayer nights that we have. And they're sitting there and they're, engage- and they're watching this, never engaging themselves. So when they leave Oral Roberts University after four years and they get into the real world, and that's just not fed to them, that's just not given to them, they are lost. They have no idea. They're like, what, what, I was so passionate here. But in reality, they were standing on the sidelines doing nothing and just excited to watch what everybody was doing. They never invested anything. They never threw themselves in the middle of this. They never, they never got to this place in which they were engaging in and of themselves. And, was like, and then they don't understand why. There's no depth. And it's like they, they, they're lost. It's, that's the only term I can come up with. They are lost. They have no idea. They're just trying to figure it out. And yet they have been apart for four years of this great spiritual dynamic. So the key is run your own race. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my... I, no, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself am not disqualified in this prize. This past summer, when we're, we're with my young son, Caleb, we are in middle of track season. You could throw some of those picks up if you want. We're in the middle of track season right now. That picture is at uh, U, uh, USA, U, USA Track and Field Youth National Championships in Chicago last year. My son Caleb, and my wife and I both ran track in college. I was a sprinter, jumper. She was a uh, mid-distance runner. And we had the amazing opportunity. I, I mean, I coach him personally. We had an amazing opportunity to travel all summer. We're doing the same this summer. It's actually worked out. I was telling Pastor Steve, it was amazing. We had a meeting in uh, uh, Ardmore yesterday for the AAU uh, state championships. And proud to say Caleb got first in both. We're proud of him. Amen. But I say it to say this. So this last year, I mean, Caleb, Caleb's done amazing. Actually, at the uh, end of the day, Caleb was actually ranked fifth in the nation in the 100-meter dash for eight years old, for eight and under as a seven-year-old. And he has done amazing. As a matter of fact, we have that clip I can show. This is from the USA Track and Field State Championships last year. He is in the white over blue for lane four. <laughs> I'm sure that is absolutely true. <laughs> Some of friends said he, somebody friend says he runs like his mom. I said, yeah, that's absolutely true. But I say all that to say, Caleb and I, we practice four nights a week, two hours a night. Meets every, every weekend, constantly moving, constantly traveling, constantly. But guess what? All that talent. And I guess here's the cool thing about this. He did a, 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 they had him on a news station last last year before he went to Junior Olympics. And they did a whole thing. He said, well, it's God's gift. You know, so God really set it up well. And it's really cool how God did it. 
And it's so cool when we travel that people's like, they don't say he's fast. Like, man, he's got a gift, and it's God. It's the Lord. It's what he's doing. It's pretty amazing. But guess what? No matter the gift, no matter how much training, no matter how much talent, doesn't matter any of that. If he does not step to that line and race, all of it means nothing. That's, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I could train with him six days a week for three hours a night. I could do all that I want to do with him. I could do all this stuff. I could engage as much as I want to engage. We could go to every meet known to man. But if he does not step to that line and he does not run his own race, it means nothing. And so that's what I want to challenge us with today. That in reality, God's calling you and I to run a race. And it's not a race that we can put over to someone to the left or to the right. It's a race that he's called you and I to run individually. And we have to run it. If we want to see God's kingdom manifested, we have to run the race on our own. Yes, we'll have people alongside of us. But we have to run it ourselves. This has been Caleb's hardest thing. We had a meet just again in Ardmore. There was no one else, no other sprinters there with him. When we got the Junior Olympics, I felt so bad for him because he had a whole team that came. And by the time we were in the finals of the 100, he was the only, one, only sprinter left on the team. And he felt lonely. He was by himself. And I could see it even affected how he ran. But God's going to call us into these places in which it, we're going to be by ourselves. Now, we'll be by ourselves when it comes to humans. But the Holy Spirit will be present with us. Have you ever thought about this? Why, when Jesus ascended into heaven, why didn't he just zap us with power? Instead, he gave us someone to walk with us. He gave us someone to walk side by side. Why? Because he knew and understood us as humans. He understood our need. And so he put the Holy Spirit to walk alongside of us. So today, I want to challenge you that you have to run your race. Scripture, or I should say scripture, A.W. Tozer says this, and this comes from Knowledge of the Holy. It's one of my, again, it's one of my favorite authors, but I think this is amazing. The yearning to know what, we can, what cannot be known, to comprehend the incomprehensible, to touch and taste the unapproachable, heirs from the image of God, in the nature of man. Deep calleth unto deep, and though polluted and landlocked by the, might, by the mighty disaster theologians call the fall, the soul senses its or, uh, origin and longs to return to its source. How can this be realized? The answer of the Bible is simply through Jesus Christ. In Christ and by Christ, God affects complete self-disclosure. Although he shows himself no reason but to, but to faith and love. Faith is the organ of knowledge and love the organ of experience. God came to us in the incarnation and in atonement. He reconciled us to himself. And by faith and love, we entered and lay hold of him. That is what God has called us to do today. Why not here? Why not now? These are the things that I think that we begin to operate that have affected me. Realizing who God is realizing who he is. And if we don't, fixing our eyes on him and allowing him to fill us with his presence, allow him to transform us and change us. We have to stop posing. We've got to stop putting all these different things on God and try to, try to put this facade up that, that simply hides us from him and his power that wants to change us. God wants to bring us into this place in which we are going to move in a power. I guarantee you, out of this church, there can be revival that will affect the whole country. Do we believe that? Out of this church, God can open the heavens and God can pour out. And people will flock from 
all over the four corners of the nation, all over the globe to see what God is doing in this place. I know this is the passion of pastor, that we see God move in such a powerful way that we would move and be transformed and changed and say, what is going on? It's not the size of the church. It's the size of our God, and our God is big. He holds the entire universe in the palm of his hand. That is the God that we serve. And that is the God that wants to pour out his spirit on us. And we could see him transform us and make us and to see revival take place in this place. Why not here? Why not now? That's the question you have to ask yourself. Why not here today? Why not right now can God not pour out his spirit on us? And we would see a new move of what God wants to do. As we close, I want to just kind of throw this out there. If everyone could bow their heads for a moment, I just want to pray this out. If you are in this room and you kind of have that in your heart, there are certain things that maybe, maybe you're not spending enough time with the Lord. Maybe, maybe you yourself are posing at times, and you know it. You know you're posing. You're not telling anybody you're posing, but you know that you're posing before God. You're trying to present your successes. Or maybe, maybe you're hiding or you're masking your struggles. Maybe you're, just, you're, not, even, you're not even running your own race. Like you're, you're relying on a husband, a wife. You're relying on someone around you to run the race, and you're kind of just tagging on to the back. And just kind of like, well, I'll get in with them. That's not how it's going to work. God wants to touch you here in this moment. And so if you are working through those things, if you are processing through those things, if you're like, God, this is me, I need help, would you please raise your hand this morning? You can put your hands down. Father, we thank you for your presence. Your power is amazing. Your love for us is unfathomable. It is beyond our comprehension, God. How much you love us, despite us, is beyond me. I pray for those that raise their hands, that are dealing with and processing through these different issues and these thoughts, I pray right now, God, that you would just flood their souls with your love, with your peace, with your grace. That today is not about a wow message or all this being dynamic, but Lord, it is about your presence today. That when we walk out of this place, we will say, God, you have met with me, you have spoken to me, you have changed me, you have transformed me, you have made me into your likeness and into your image. That is what we're after today. So that when we leave this place, we will be carriers of the presence of God, carriers of the kingdom of heaven. That when we go to work, when we go to school, when we go to the grocery store, when we, any place that we place our feet, the kingdom of God would be manifested. And the fullness of the power of God would fill us and fill those that we come in contact with. I ask this and I pray this. Transform us change us. You know every need in this room. Every hand that was raised, you know the need. And I pray right now that your spirit would hover, would settle, would change and transform.
and make new, restore. That, Lord, you bring hope where there is no hope, peace where there is no peace, love where there is no love, peace where there is anxiety or anguish, and a rest for our souls. Father, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you are here today to minister to us and to change us. And we believe, God, that out of this church will spark revival that will change nations. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for ministering and delivering hearts today. It is in your name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Come on, would you do this with me? Father, we cry here and now. Father, I'm saying here and now. Here and now. I just sense we need to pray this together. That, Father, you would do what you want to do here and now. Father, we're not, we're not comfortable praying that, that you do something in our, in our community with this idea that it's going to bypass us. We recognize that you will, your will will be done whether we participate or not. And you will find a body, a group of people that are willing to do what you want to do. But we're declaring together, corporately, individually, made up this body that we want to participate here and now. We, we, we don't want to wait until 20 years from now or 30 years from now. We want to see revival. We want to see souls saved. We want to see our community changed. We want to see people set free. We want to see lives rescued. We want to see the unchurched come to Christ. We want to see that here and now. We're, we're thankful for what you're doing in the churches around our community, but we declare here and now. We want to see that here in passion, in our lives, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our schools. We want to see that, and we are willing to participate to see it happen now. Hear our cry. Hear our cry. Make this our cry. I pray that you would allow your Holy Spirit to shake off any apathy, any complacency, any sense of arrival that we've already experienced enough, that we've already seen enough miracles, that we've already seen enough provision, that we've already seen enough of your hand at work. We declare together that we are so thankful for all that we've seen happen together over the last 10 years. But God, hear our hearts. We're not satisfied. We're not comfortable. We're not content. I pray that you would spark in us a holy discontent that we would become more hungry for your word, more hungry for your presence, more hungry for your Holy Spirit. Make us hungry again, I pray. Help us, I pray, oh God. I pray that this message would stir us and challenge us and convince us that there are greater things at hand if we're willing to participate pray that you would challenge each of us individually so that it will impact us corporately. And God, I just pray. I sense that for some of us, 
we're, we're, we're walking on dangerous ground because we've almost come to this place uh, two, two, two ways. One, we can take it or leave it. We've, we've experienced it in the past, and, and, and now we think we've, we've come far enough. There are others of us that are in dangerous positions because we've even come to the belief that culture has changed so much that we'll never see your work like you have. But this morning, I pray that you would convict our hearts that all you're really looking for are people that are available and that are willing and that you can do. Your track record proves that in every generation, there is a move of God at hand. But it takes members of that generation to embrace that move and to usher that move into cities and in communities. So we just corporately signify that we're, our hand is up. Choose us. I, I feel like the kid on the recess uh, being cho- choosing teams. God, I'm, I'm in the background raising my hand saying, choose me. Choose me. Choose me. And I pray that corporately as, as, a, as a, a family of believers that we would throw our hands up in the air and say, God, choose us. We, we will love people that nobody else loves. We will accept people that nobody else accepts. We will open our doors to people that would not normally come to church. And we won't look down on them, but instead we'll make room for them. And at the same time, we will not become comfortable with where they are. We will lovingly pull them towards you. And I pray that although we've seen some great moves of God in our history, I pray that we would see the greatest move of God, and that would be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people giving their heart and life to you because they find a group of people that love them to you. That's my cry. I pray that in the coming season, as we try some things that we've never tried before, as we turn our attention away from our own needs and we place them on the needs of people that don't know you at all. I pray that we would become passionate about seeing your kingdom grow. I believe you can accomplish this and that you want to accomplish this and that you're looking for a pocket of believers to accomplish this through. I pray that we would be those people. In Jesus' name. And everybody that's praying that with me, would you just say amen, that you're willing to participate? Come on, uh, touch your neighbor right now and say, hey, he's choosing us. He's choosing us. He's choosing us. He's choosing us. Come on, touch your other neighbor and say, why not here and why not now? Come on, let that sink in. Why not here and why not now? Why not here and why not now? Thank you, Eric. We appreciate it. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.